You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Is it this cost that causes many of us to be more moderate when we should be directly and actively opposing things in our system that are harming the objects of the universal divine love that we preach? Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 424. I want to ask for your forgiveness uh, this week for my voice, um, we are just now getting over COVID, getting out of quarantine, my family and I, it finally caught up with us, but um, that's also why there was no podcast episode published last week as well. But uh, we're going to get through this, and uh, if you'll just hang in there with my voice, there's a lot of good content this week that we need to go over. So our title this week is When Liberation Becomes Complicated. And our feature text is uh, uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and this is Luke 8, 26 through 39. It says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but he had lived in the tombs. When, Je- when he saw Jesus, he cried, cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this to the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out of sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. So this this week's story, it hasn't aged well. Uh, taking the story literally has borne harmful fruit to those with disabilities because of the culture in which the Jesus story was written and, and the culture in which it was shared. That culture believed that things like mental disabilities and, and epilepsy and, and things of that nature were the result of demonic possession. Josephus, who, who was a Jewish historian near the time of Jesus in Jewish antiquity, 
Hades. I'll put a reference to in this week's e-site. But he wrote, Exorcism is an exceptionally powerful cure among our own people down to this very day. Now, today we know better. Things we once did not understand that, that, that once we gave supernatural explanations for, now they have scientific explanations. The his- history of, of scientific discovery, I think it should make us careful about explaining things we still don't understand today with supernatural explanations, especially explanations like demon possession that have historically only hurt marginalized communities. Stories like this week's, now, I think they now need to be shared with an interpretive explanation or, or explanations that reduce the risk that Christians might use them to wittingly or even unwittingly harm others. So in this story... <clears throat> The demonic possession is a metaphor uh, for the very concrete, literal, and and very real political reality of the Jewish people during this time. And I want to stress that. Let's not take this story literally. Let's read it as metaphor. The Jewish people were possessed. and, And what I mean by that is they were occupied by the Roman Empire. And one hint that this story should not be taken literally, but as code for political oppression is that the name of the demon possessing the man in the story is legion a roman legion was the roman army's largest military unit this occupying or possessing militaristic presence it kept rome's invaded and conquered territories in line during the pax romana the peace of rome and these occupying forces the literally peacekeepers they kept uprisings and rebellions Pressed through their continual military presence. Another sign of, uh, of that this story is metaphorical or to be taken as metaphor is the presence of pigs or pig farmers in a Hellenized Jewish community. Pigs are unclean in the Torah and, and they're forbidden as food. And I imagine that, that the Jewish farmers in this story, they may have been raising them for export to other regions of the Roman Empire. But pig farming in, in this Jewish community, it indicates an an economic entanglement of being possessed by the Roman Empire. Roman occupation, especially in Hellenized Galilee, it, it was a complex reality where Roman occupation it both simultaneously harmed uh, the people that lived there and it economically benefited the people that lived there. Again, all of that simultaneously. That's what he made it complicated or, or why it made it complex. And this is uh, the major theme of this story. To be liberated from Rome would come at a cost, an economic cost at least. The community in this story eventually rejects Jesus's liberation ministry because even though Roman occupation harmed them and some areas of their lives, it was beneficial in in other areas, and and they were willing to live with it. Jesus's exorcism here, it represented a very real political repudiation of the Roman occupying force, the legion. And, And the people's response to Jesus, it reveals the sentiment in some Hellenized communities that they didn't want to be liberated to the extent that they would lose the benefits of Roman occupation. Uh, 
they may have wanted independence, but that desire simply didn't outweigh the simultaneous desire to bend that the, uh, to maintain the benefits that occupation brought to their daily lives. Last month, Renewed Heart Ministries' recommended book of the month was uh, Puylan's uh, Post-Colonial Politics and Theology, Unraveling Empire for a Global World. And the work of, of decolonizing our theology and unraveling from empire, that it's relevant to our story this week. The tension that we encounter in this story between the desire for liberation and the fear of, of uncertainty and change that that freedom and independence would bring is very real. And it's not something that we should just brush off too lightly. I used to read this story with eyes focused primarily on the demoniac. But as I get older, I'm starting to perceive that the demoniac as a story, I'm starting to see that as just a story device that connects the hearers of the story to its central char- characters. And the, and the focus is really those who are so enmeshed and entangled in the system of their oppressors that they no longer want liberation when the possibility arises. Ched Myers, in, in his uh, book, Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship, page six. He reminds us whether personal or political, liberation has a cost, and there will always be those unwilling to risk it. And we've often said here at Renewed Heart Ministries that our primary work as followers of the moral philosophy of Jesus in our contemporary context is to, in whatever way we can, work toward shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone, especially those made unsafe in our world world and in our societies. And as we might uh, imagine what a safer, more just world could look like as we work toward that kind of world, how do our present entanglements with our current society, how, how do those entanglements create tension and reluctance for us to change things today? For some people, this society, it doesn't outweigh the desire for change. It doesn't even come close. For many others, and I'm thinking of of many of my liberal friends who are straddling two realities. The present iteration, it both benefits uh, them and it causes them deep concern for the people who are harmed by capitalism and classism. And I'm thinking of patriarchy and, and white supremacy and heterosexism. And, and even in context of things like the, the present discussion on gun legislation. And there are so many other things. It, it's complicated because many uh, liberals are both benefited from the very uh, system that they also want to to change. There are times when it is appropriate to take inventory of whether you really want things to change or you're just using that rhetoric. Is it enough to grant equal opportunity in in a harmful system? that will continue to produce winners and losers? Or is that a compromise? Does the system itself desperately need to change? And and what does that change cost? Is it this cost that causes many of us to be more moderate when we should be directly and actively opposing things in our system that are harming the objects of the universal divine love that we preach? Do we see ourselves in this week's 
story? That's the real question. As we look at, at, at the community that sent Jesus away because it was complicated, do, do we see ourselves, when liberation stands on the threshold of our lives, when it's knocking and, and we, through our choices, are, are quietly asking it to leave, is it because we also, like those in the story, are overcome with fear who, while we simultaneously desire change, we're also afraid of it? And as some someone who 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 didn't ask to be born in in my uh, social location, my prayer, and and I live in a pre- pretty privileged social location. My prayer is that when liberation comes knocking, that I won't be like folks in this story. That I'll have the courage to open the door and invite that change in. Heart Group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what does change cost? Is, is it this cost that, again, is causing many of us to be more moderate when we should be directly and actively opposed to things in our system that are harming the objects of the, again, the universal divine love that we preach? So discuss that with your group. And then number three. Three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. And again, thank you for your patience with our absence last week and my voice during this time of recovering from COVID. Um, I look forward to to uh, next week's and, and my voice improving each week. But right where you are this week, remember right where you are, keep living in in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.